No one can tell what goes on between the person you were and the person you become. No one can chart that blue and lonely section of hell. There are no maps of the change. You just come out the other side. Or you don't. Stephen King, The Stand. You are listening to Sonic Dawn. The Kill by Steve E. Dominguez II. It was a cold night. The wind blew hard. Bits of scrap and dirt flew around me. I was sitting in a dead bush, its branches sticking me everywhere I wasn't padded. This was a simple job. A job I volunteered for. A quick shot to the head, using the rifle that had been passed on to me from my father. He had told me it would be a tool that kept me alive. He never knew how right he was. I kept the rifle as clean as I could, but my oil had run dry three days ago. This kill would pay for what I needed. Water, food, most important, the bullets I would need for my next job. I pulled back the bolt as quick as I could and loaded one of the three bullets I had left. I had taken my time creeping into this bush. I hadn't noticed the thorns, but the caravan had lights and they were pointed outward. I couldn't risk the comfort of moving. The lights were enough to deter the thieves and raiders in the wasteland. They knew if you had lights, then you had electricity. If you could afford electricity, well, then you could afford guns. Guns were the apotheosis of commodity, but they were scarce. It was easier to use a piece of sharpened scrap metal or a large rock to hunt for food, defend yourself, or kill your neighbor. The sound reminded me of my lost child. In the valley below me, beyond the caravan, I could see the dead forest. Trees blackened from some fire they were taking their time recovering from. The animals in this world were as desperate as us. If lucky, they would live and die in their dead forest, away from the sins of man. The night sky was starting to brighten. Was it morning already? I watched the shadows of the dead forest grow over themselves, and it became darker, a contrast to the dirt-reflected sun. The caravan started to make noise. The morning fire was started. A cooking smell reached my nose. At first I thought of bodies, then rabbit. My mouth watered the little bit it could. I couldn't afford to let it bother me. I tracked the target to the largest tent. My vantage point was maybe a hundred yards away and twenty feet up a hill. Through my scope, I could see the tattered flap that served as a door. People walked by. Large people. Armed people. The trick wasn't killing the target. The trick was not getting caught. He would emerge. I would fire. And then, I had to get my ass out of this damn thorny bush. I knew the caravan was moving north. So, perhaps I could burrow myself south of ways. Just enough to see them pack up and, fingers crossed, see them move on. The man I was after wasn't the leader of the caravan, but he could afford the electric lights and he could afford the higher guns. His sins would catch up to him. Through my scope, I stood vigil. The tattered flap stayed closed. The sun dimmed and I risked to look up at the sky. The sky was a harsh red. Dusty brown clouds were circling. Rain? No, not this season. Mother Nature had given up. She was trying to get rid of us. 
She was trying to get rid of us all. It had happened before, and it'll happen again. We were just too stupid. Or maybe too stubborn to understand. The wind started to pick up. I adjusted my rifle and settled down again. The sun had risen behind me. It would help shield me from the inevitable bullets. I hope I'd stacked the deck enough in my favor. Through my scope, the tent shivered. Some had woken up. Perhaps the roasting rabbit had awoken him too. I settled into my killer's pose. My finger was a feather on the trigger. My eyes were open. The wind howled and died. I risked readjusting the rifle. The flap opened, and I thought about the atrocities this man had committed. The burned bodies of women and children fresh in my mind. As I grieved my wife and child, I wondered if my loss had given someone else the will to survive in this world. I forgave this man for his actions, knowing the world we lived in never could. Rest in peace, I whispered. And pulled the trigger. I ran toward the morning sun. The shouts behind me grew dim as I crashed through the underbrush. I held my rifle steady at my side with my right hand, its strap rubbing a thick patch of skin on my neck. My gloved left hand pushed branches out of the way. The kill had been quick, my job complete. I'd watched the man fall through my scope, a rose blooming on his chest. I'd allowed myself a few seconds to dismiss his life from the world. Then there were shouts, an alarm raised, and I had to leave. I felt my foot catch on something, and I twisted my body, knowing that I was going to fall. I had to protect the rifle. My body could heal, the rifle could not. The world spun, sunlight and shadow blurred. Then, my head exploded in pain. I awoke to the sounds of men. I stayed still, and just listened. They were walking through the forest, talking to each other, tracking me. I had to get up. I had to move. I flexed my arms and legs as quiet as I could. Leaves crunched beneath me, a sound I couldn't afford. My body, aside from a few aches, seemed fine. I stood, watching the world around me. It was dusk. Luck had stayed at my side. The trackers weren't as quick or efficient as they should have been. Your boss dying before you had that effect. I crouched with my back to a tree, my body half covered by a bush. I looked over my rifle. The barrel was straight, the stock unscathed. I worked the bolt and breathed a sigh of relief. I took off my pack and unrolled the cloth I used to protect my livelihood. It stunk of oil, but was dry to the touch. I wrapped the rifle and secured it with leather straps to my pack. A few feet away there was a broken wood snare. The object that had caught my foot had been well hidden. Remembering the pain in my head, I poked and prodded my head and scalp. My fingers came away damp from a gash on the side of my head. I looked down and, for the first time, noticed the dark red stain across my jacket and shirt. I rummaged in my pack, but found no bandages. I took off my jacket and tore my left sleeve from my shirt and wrapped it around my head in a tight knot. It would have to do until I could find some herbs or disinfectant. The cost of living kept rising. Look, there he is! The shout pulled me out of my planning, but not as fast as it should have. Concussion, I wondered, as I sprang from my spot and started running. I swung my pack on and dodged around trees and bushes. They were close behind me, and I could hear their continued shouts, their voices, letting me know how close they were without me needing to turn around. I wasn't gaining any ground, and my head started to pound. Water. I need 
water. Lying around the forest all day hadn't done me any favors. I needed a place to make a stand. I had a makeshift knife in my pack, but close-range combat had never been my strong suit. I needed an advantage. The forest started to slim and slope downwards. If the forest ended, I'd be out of luck. The desert beyond held no shelter, no advantage. There was a felled tree about thirty yards away. It looked to be propped up by a boulder. A plan formed in my head. I could climb up the trunk, get the drop on my pursuers. I could hide under the brush. Surprised in that way, there may even be a nook or cranny that I could wedge myself in and hide. The voices still called out to each other, but the sun had given up for the day and had sunk below the horizon. The twilight might be enough to keep their prying eyes at bay, I thought. My breath was coming in ragged gasps now. I needed this to stop, but the adrenaline pushed me onward. When I reached the felled tree, I saw that it wasn't propped up on a boulder. A log house. The back end of it was smashed, but the front door beckoned me. There could be supplies, weapons, water. I had to take the chance that there would be something inside to help. Not slowing down, I ran up the two stairs on the meager porch and slammed my full weight against the door. The hinges cracked. I backed up and kicked at the weak spot to the side of the doorknob. Something in the frame gave away, and the door swung open. I entered and closed the door. My eyes hadn't yet adjusted to the darkness when I grabbed the closest piece of furniture and pushed it in front of the door. A coffee table? I grabbed in the darkness again and found a chair. Something crashed to the ground. I winced as the noise echoed in the night. I raised the chair over my head and smashed it on the ground. With a loud crack, the chair came apart. I felt one of the legs and smiled as my fingers brushed the screws sticking out of one end. That would have to do. I took off my pack and stowed it against a nearby wall. I found my knife and pulled it out. Armed with my screw-studded club and my sharpened steel, I was ready as I could be. The window near the door brightened with a flickering light. The voices pointed out signs that someone had been here recently. I crouched under the door on the side that would swing open, allowing myself a few more seconds of cover. The door was pushed on. The coffee table scrapped across the floor. The firelight through their torches came through a crack in the door, and I took a second to look around the room I was in. There was a mini mash of items, blankets, pots, and pans, a grill with firewood stacked nearby. It looked as though someone had been living here. The button eyes of a teddy bear shined back at me from its place on an old stuffed chair. The door was kicked open. The coffee table flung aside. The first man entered with a slow step, his eyes darting around the room. I swung my club as hard as I could against the side of his head. The screw stuck into his temple and he gurgled, his eyes wide. As his body fell, I tried to rip the club back, but it stuck fast and was torn from my hand. With a shout, another man jumped through the doorway. His body turned to face me. He had a crude bow with an arrow pulled back and ready to fire. I shouted at him, hoping my voice volume would set his aim askew. He fired his arrow and my legs seared with pain. There was no time now. The man reached for another arrow from his quiver that was strapped to his side. I fell to the ground, my leg not cooperating with me. I reached around and grabbed at the blanket that was lying on the ground. I threw it at my attacker's face, hoping to at least distract him, at most tangle his weapon. Fire blazed up in the motion. I hadn't noticed that the first man's torch had landed on the blanket. The sudden movement of the blanket caused the flame to flare up. I heard the bow's string snap in the heat and the bent wood flung itself apart. The man threw the fiery mess and tore my club from his friend's head. Gristle and hair clung to the screws as the man swung the club in a few test swings. He smiled at me and advanced. 
From my place on the floor, I had no options. I couldn't stand to fight. There was nothing close by to shield myself from the attack. I took a deep breath and took the only option I could. I flung my arm at the man and his head snapped back, my sharpened steel protruding from his eye. He crumpled to the floor as his hand rose up, as if to pluck the steel from his face. The crackle of the fire caught my attention. The wall the blanket had been thrown against was starting to burn. I reached down at the arrow, hoping it had passed through my thigh so I could break it and remove it. It seemed my luck had run dry. The arrowhead was lodged in the muscle of my thigh. Touching it caused waves of pain to pulse through my body. I couldn't help myself. I yelled. When the echoes died in my ears, I heard footsteps. The third pursuer pushed the door all the way open before he stepped inside. He was a small man, slouching in the doorway. Can't say I'm surprised if they were good men. The man tossed his torch into the building, near me, but not close enough for me to reach. The chair that the stuffed bear was perched on started to smoke. The man then reached down to the holster that was strapped to his hip. He pulled out a revolver. They've been given one of these. Now you made a mess of things back at camp. Everyone is in a jizzy with the rich man dead. Who gets what? Where do we go all that crap? The man swung open the chamber and dumped the shells into his hand. He put all, save one, to his breast pocket. All I know for sure is... The man loaded the single shell back into the revolver and clicked the cylinder into place. If I bring you back, I get to be the hero. The man pointed the revolver at me, using his thumb to cock the hammer back. Wait, was all I managed to say when a sound crashed from the room and the man's head caved in. He fell backward, out of the door with a thump. My ears rang as I looked around the room. Standing in the corner was a boy and girl. She was older, and he hung behind her leg, his eyes wide with fear, and his hands over his ears. The girl had tears in her eyes, but her mouth was set in a determined grimace. She looked at the mess from her front door to me. She raised her rifle unaimed. That's when I passed out. Hey, what's going on, everyone? I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Tonight's episode is written by Steve Dominguez. If you want to see more of his stuff, you can check out the Science Faction Podcast on the BS Podcast Network. And that's pretty much it. I hope you all enjoyed the show, and I'll see you next time.